0: Genesis chapter 50. Father, we just thank you for our journey through this book of beginnings. Father, I thank thank you for all the gems and all the wisdom and all the principles you tucked in here for us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for opening up so much of it to us and just tucking it deep in our hearts. Father, I pray for each one of us that have just been a part of this study from beginning to end, Lord, I just pray that this book would be a part of our lives, that we would understand that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning and the end. And God, you have purposed and, uh, your, you have purposed your great things on this earth, and you have brought all of them to completion. And the ones that you have not yet brought to completion, you are bringing to completion. You're a God of order. You're the beginning and the end. So Father, as we conclude the book of Genesis tonight, Lord God, just we thank you, Lord, for all that you've given us in this book. And I ask that in each of our hearts it would remain relevant in the days ahead. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 50, I'm going to read it to you. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Now forty days were required for it, for such is the period required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him seventy days. When the days of mourning for him were passed, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your sight, please speak to Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am about to die in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan, there you shall bury me. Now therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, then I will return. Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and All the household of Joseph and his brothers and his father's household, they left only their little ones and their flocks and their herds in the land of Goshen. There also went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. When they came to the threshing floor at Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great sorrowful lamentation. And he observed seven days mourning for his father. Now when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor at Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning for the Egyptians. Therefore it is named Abel Mizoram, which is beyond the Jordan. Thus his sons did for him as he charged them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham had brought along with the field for a, a burial site From Ephron the Hittite. After he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we have done to him? So they sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father charged before he died, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sins, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in God's place. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now Joseph stayed in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's son, also the sons of Machir. And the sons of Manasseh were born on Joseph's knees. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. Joseph's death ends the book of of Genesis, and let's explore chapter 50 together here. Joseph's reaction to his father's passing is very emotional. Remember, he was a favored son. He had a a unique mission uh, in life to preserve his people. Many of us would not choose the path that Joseph had uh, being sold being put in Potiphar's house, dealing with Mrs. Potiphar, going to prison, ascending into Pharaoh's house, then be given all this responsibility uh, in in Pharaoh's house and being successful, yet we would like the success and we would like the honor and we would like the double portion, (laughs) but all the other stuff, most of us would say, you can keep that. Joseph paid a high price to be obedient to the will of God. And I want you to see that, that sometimes being obedient to the call, being obedient to the will of God, pouring our lives out like a drink offering, it's costly. Coming to Jesus is free because he did all the heavy lifting on the cross. The blood of the Lamb takes away our sins, but there is cross-carrying that happens after salvation. Most people just want to get saved and then just enjoy the rest of their life, but there's cross-carrying. Joseph, before the cross, carried his cross, and God honors him. He weeps bitterly for his father because there was a lot of time that was taken away from him that he didn't get to spend with his father. So it's very emotional with him. His time with his dad was cut short in ways. And so now, even though he got to be with him in the, you know, the sunset of his life, there, there's a lot of lament there. There's a lot of hurt there. And it's a great loss to him. And I want to say something about that. Learn to appreciate the time you have with your family. Learn to appreciate the time you have with your parents. I have both my parents sitting in the front row scoring and grading me here. And I'm grateful for them. And the time that we have, you know, people say this to me all the time, you know, uh, you know spend time with this person. Spend time with that. They're not going to be here forever. My father-in-law, when I was in Saskatchewan, said these old boys are not going to be here forever. What does that mean? Spend time, enjoy each other. It's a blessing. So Joseph lost some time. He appreciated the time he had. He learned to appreciate his father, be with him in the sunset of his life, have him bless his children. Don't wait until tomorrow to enjoy the gifts you have today. So many people are waiting. Oh, someday I'm going to be happy. Someday I'm going to relax. Someday when I retire. You know, some people retire and then they don't live long after that. Enjoy today. Enjoy the people around you. Life is short enjoy the blessings of god verse 2 and 3 because jacob dies in egypt he gets the egyptian burial customs now egypt was the epicenter of the world at that time they were the at the forefront of math and science and construction and all these things the embalmers in egypt were the best that there were of that day yeah. In fact, they did incredible uh, things that, uh, you know, medically, some of of what the Egyptians were doing at that current time actually died out with them and weren't rediscovered until hundreds of years later. If you study, you know, how advanced they were as a civilization. So he's getting the best... (laughs) Uh, I don't want to say medical attention because he's dead, but he's getting the best attention that the world has to offer at the time. And their burial customs and cultures, including embalming, and their physicians were very skilled. Now notice in verses 2 and 3, it talks about this. You know, he was a Jew. He wasn't an Egyptian. But he's getting the best that the world has to offer. Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm him. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Now 40 days were required for it. So it was a long process. Uh, They didn't have some of the tools and chemicals we had, but they were very astute. And what they did have, the process took 40 days. It was high tech for the time. Jacob received in death the best that the world had to offer. The text says the Egyptians Egyptians wept for Jacob for 70 days. (laughs) 70 days. Man, that is a long time of mourning. That's a lot of tears. Most of us, never mind, but... You know, I don't know how long, seven minutes, seven days, how long are people going to mourn <laughs> when we're gone. They wept for him for 70 days. That's a long time of mourning, and it's not over yet. Verses four through six, when the mourning was done, Joseph immediately asked permission to keep his vow to Jacob and bury him in Canaan. Now, I want you to see, again, even though Joseph has great dominion in Egypt, he's still answerable to Pharaoh. And some of the way this goes down is interesting to me. It makes me consider... Uh, you know, how formal his relationship was with Pharaoh at this point. But in verses four through six, he he asked permission to keep his vow. Now, Pharaoh could have said no, and we're going to see God's favor on Joseph at this point. I mean, the Egyptians have wept for uh, a man who is not, you know, from their people for 70 days. So they had an affection for Joseph and his family, and great honor is paid to them. It says, when the morning was done, he spoke to the household of Pharaoh. Notice, he spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your sight, please speak to Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am about to die in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. So notice, Joseph tells Pharaoh's people to bring the message to Pharaoh. A little strange, isn't it? You would think Joseph, second in command, would have access right to Pharaoh. He could ask him, but if he goes a roundabout way in doing this. It makes me, you know, question some of the, uh, you know, protocol and some of the way things were done. If this was a a, a big thing to ask to get leave from Egypt from his position to go bury his father, but he has uh, other people ask on his behalf for permission to bury his father, to keep his vow. Joseph says he will return when he's done, so that's his guarantee. Pharaoh gives him permission to keep his vow. Uh, an interesting thing here, if Pharaoh said no, what would have Joseph done? You know, many times we have to be subject to those who are over us, amen? Uh, it's an interesting situation here. We're going to see Um, the favor that Pharaoh has bestowed on Joseph is going to eventually down the road evaporate to the point where the Jewish people who are a remnant there in Goshen are going to become slaves to the Egyptians. And you often wonder, how do we go from a place of great favor to enslaving a people? Wow. When you're in the world... And, and that's what Egypt was there. It was the world. God's little nation, the, the, the fledgling nation of Israel, they're tucked right in there. They're kind of at the mercy of the system that they're in, and it's an interesting position. So he is gracious and favorable. A pharaoh extends amazing favor towards Joseph. And, you know, there again, I've said over and over in this book, favor is more important to have than anything else. And I want you to get that. It's one of the themes... Uh, of at least this situation here with the birth of Israel, you know, many times we don't have the money, but favor will get the job done. Many times we don't have the talent, but favor will get the job done. Many times we don't have the skill set or the resume or know the right people, but somehow the favor of God on us. There's times in all of our lives where we get promoted or we get blessed or we get financial breakthroughs and it's nothing but the favor of God. You know, there are times in my life when people said to me, I don't know why, but I'm going to give you this position, or I'm going to promote you to this, or I don't know why, but I'm going to hire you. That's always comforting, right? (laughs) I've never had anyone say, I don't know why, but I'm going to fire you. No, it was always blessing. And understand the favor of God is an important thing for us to have. We need to see it on Joseph's life. You say, I want that kind of favor. Be willing to carry your cross. Be willing to be obedient. Be willing to embrace some pits and some prisons. But it's not fair. How we deal with things when they're not fair is what lets God look down and go, that's a guy can bless. What did they say to Job when it wasn't fair? Curse God and die. He wouldn't do it. You're a foolish woman, he said to his wife. He wouldn't curse God. He wouldn't turn on God. Joseph handled his adversity It turned into blessing it turned into favor and we see it on his life. The graciousness of Pharaoh is nothing short of miraculous here. Verses 7-9 through describes just an incredible funeral procession here. Now funerals are always tough. They're always uh, emotionally draining. I'd much rather do weddings than funerals. But uh, funerals are part of life and so here's the funeral procession. So Joseph went up to his father and went with him and went all the servants of Pharaoh and the elders of his household. So Pharaoh's servants go, the elders of the household, the elders of the land of Egypt. Verse eight, all the household of Joseph and his brothers and his father's household. And they only left their little ones. So I mean, this is a huge company here. They only left their herds and their children behind in Goshen. There also went up with them both chariots and horsemen and it was a very great company. There again, this nation that is... Representing the world is celebrating the father of the nation of Israel. I mean, just think about that in the time that we live in now. Wow. God can make anybody celebrate you. <laughs> Interesting but it is a huge funeral procession. It's a, it's a whole bunch of people, Pharaoh's servants, the elders, Joe's entire household, all his brothers, the chariots, the horsemen, the whole thing is going up, and they're on this procession to bury Jacob, to give him honor. God honors his servants, and he can even get the world to do it at times. So while all this might seem over the top in some way, God is just affirming the significance of this man, Jacob. The, the trilogy is complete. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so here's this last one being buried here. Abraham got the covenant. Isaac preserved it. He passed it down to Jacob. Jacob birthed 12 sons from his loins that would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Now they're laying him to rest in the tomb uh, with his ancestors. The three of them are going to be there. God is completing the trilogy. Something is significant about this. People don't realize it completely, but God realizes it, and so he makes it a big to-do. All these people there to honor a man, and they're not even quite sure what this man represents, but God knows. So uh, they go up, and they're doing their thing, and their seven days of mourning continued on top of that. Um, you know, it is, a, it is a long procession. I mean, just many days here. You would think these people must be physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted. Whatever the case is, this is the ritual verse 10 through 11, the Canaanites of the land that they go into, they notice this huge funeral procession. I mean, it is just, it's big and it's loud and it's, there's weeping and there's mourning and all these things. They notice this place uh, of mourning here. And so, you know, it, it kind of almost disrupts the land a little bit here. In verses 10, 11, When they came to the threshing fort at Atad, which was beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with great and sorrowful lamentation. So there's weeping and wailing and mourning. Uh, for this man of God that has passed on. And now the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad. They said, this is a grievous mourning for the Egyptians. And they actually named the place for, for that event that took uh, place there. And so it's it's kind of making a ripple throughout the land. Now realize these Canaanites who are in that area there, that, that's the promised land. So they're, it's almost like they don't realize this, but they're being paid notice. That uh, God's people are here, and they're burying one of their forefathers, and uh, eventually, you know, they're going to be there to stay. So interesting things happen if you you read into that and and see verses 12 through 14. Jacob is buried with his fathers in the cave of Machpelah. So that was a significant place that Abraham bought. His sons honor his request, and Joseph keeps his vow. Uh, Remember, on his deathbed, uh, when he spoke to Joseph, Jacob said, I don't want to be buried in Egypt. And you say, well, why was that so significant? Because they sojourned in Egypt, and he was living in Egypt. He died in Egypt, but he never became an Egyptian in his heart. Be in the world, but not of the world. Amen. They wanted to preserve their, their heritage and their people group, and they were only just passing through. So he made him promise, Don't bury me there. They kept their vow, and uh, it's a very important thing. Uh, keeping vows and keeping our word, you know, might not seem like a big deal these days. People break their promises all the time, they break contracts. It's amazing. You used to be able to do business on a handshake. You say, Ray, I need shingles on my roof. Shakes hands. Ray's going to take care of it. Okay, and so we agree on a price. And when it's done, that's the price. You can't do any of that anymore. Now with a contract and twelve lawyers in the room, you still can't get people to uphold their end of the bargain on anything. It's a very litigious time. It's a very—it's a time where people's word, you know, doesn't mean anything. Huh. My father-in-law, there again, being out there in Canada, he still does business with a handshake. worth of cattle, handshake. And you can trust that guy on the other end that he keeps his word. If you don't keep your word out there where there's such huge farms and few farmers, if you have a bad name in the community, you're dead in the water. Nobody wants to do business with you. Nobody wants to buy anything from you. Nobody wants to sell anything to you. (laughs) See, keeping our vows, keeping our word, having a good name. Proverbs talks about that a lot, is very important. You and I who uh, live in the community and conduct business and have neighbors and uh, you know, are involved in the school system, are, are, your name is very important. And uh, think about that. Think about that sometimes before you open up your mouth. Think about that sometimes before you gossip. Think about that sometimes before you listen to others gossip. Only a couple amens on that one so david uh not david uh joseph keeps his vow he keeps his word it's it's not a big deal these days but you know the way we keep our word and the way we keep our vows to man and to god says more about our character than anything else and that's what god is looking for people who have godly character amen well i sit in church and i have a big thick king james bible doesn't replace character Got to have good character. Got to keep your word. Christians who are unreliable, irresponsible, and deal breakers shame the body of Christ. That's such a powerful thing. Over the years, I've seen so many people just do things that were so unchristian and call themselves Christian, and all it does is shame the body of Christ to the point where people don't want to be Christians because they see how Christians behave. Now, I know it's a cop out in the world. They say, well, Christians are all hypocrites. Well, you know what? You're a hypocrite too, so come on in. we got to see for you. Okay, so that's not an excuse, right? We're not going to let them misdirect. But the thing is, when we call ourselves Christians and we do things that are unchristian, we confuse people. You know, I I told you, I've said it before, but there was this one pastor who cornered this guy who was doing unchristian stuff, and he put his finger in his face, and I was there, and he said, don't tell people you're a Christian. And the guy was like, because you're shaming up the body of Christ. Wow. Oh, don't you love pastors like that? Good character. Keep your word. Do what you say you're going to do. Verse 15, the embalming's done. The mourning's done. Jacob's body is buried. All the crying, all the weeping, all the parade, all the ceremony, all the chariots, everything's done. Joseph's finally in the ground he's interred it's over and in verse 15 we have an interesting uh, uh, interesting event happens here the brothers get scared because all of a sudden they realize something when joseph's brother saw that their father was dead what do you mean he saw that he was dead you've been mourning for like 80 something days Now they just figured out, uh uh-oh, he's gone. There's no buffer between us and Joseph anymore. There's no restrainer there. When they saw that their father was dead, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong we did him? Wow, what a great thing to think about. You know, it shows you there again, you, you, see, you see the difference between Joseph's character and the brother's character. You know, people who, people who would do things like this would think about somebody doing it to them. Huh. Cheaters always think you're cheating them. Liars always think you're lying to them, amen. Thieves always think you're going to steal from them, amen. That's just the way it goes, And so here these brothers, you know, they've had sketchy character all the way through. Joseph has been a saint, yet now they project on Joseph, oh no, he's going to get us back. He's going to act like we would. Now we're in trouble. So they're very afraid. Uh, they see Joseph has an opportunity to get them. And you know what the truth is? If that's what was in his heart, absolutely he could get them. He's second in command in Egypt. They're eating off of his table. I mean, he's sustaining them in every way. They're in his land. So yeah, he's got all the cards, got all the leverage. Verses 16 through 18, the brothers are afraid and they see the opportunity there. Basically what they do is they send a message to him telling Joseph what dad wanted okay now I'm not so sure dad said any of this but let's just take a listen here Uh, uh you know dad said they sent a message to Joseph your father charged before he died saying thus you shall say to Joseph please forgive I beg you the transgression of your brothers and their sin for they did you wrong now please forgive the transgression of your servants of God of your father and Joseph wept when they spoke to him. So, you know, there again, I'm not quite sure about all this, what Jacob said, or what Jacob didn't say. It it seems to be kind of convenient now that they're quoting him from the grave, uh, that dad didn't want you to kill us, so please, you know, don't. Um, These guys are shifty, they're sketchy, but it's, it's interesting here, the response is that, you know, Joseph hears all this, and Uh, 17 and 18, the, the brothers do humble themselves before Joseph, and he weeps before them. And this, you say, well, you know, here's the brothers are projecting their bad character on Joseph, and Joseph hears what they have to say, and he weeps. And I want you to see this. Here's why Joseph weeps not because he wanted to kill them and Jacob headed him off at the pass, he weeps because they still don't know his heart, he weeps because he's still misunderstood. He's so broken because, you know, these guys still don't trust me, they still don't love me. They still don't get it. It's hard to be misunderstood in life. Did you ever have a good heart towards somebody and they still didn't trust you? Did you ever have good intentions towards somebody and they still didn't want to be your friend? It hurts. It stings. As Christians, with integrity, with good hearts, a lot of times we, we reject it a lot. We spend a lot of time alone. And, you know, Joseph, though reunited with his brothers, still feels estranged from them, still feels alone because they don't know his heart. And so he weeps when he hears what they have to say, and he he feels misunderstood, and that's painful for him. Verse 18, the brother's uh, ceremonially repent again before him, uh, and they ask for forgiveness, and he does forgive them and and that's a perfect situation there. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. So these guys are scared, yeah, they're sorry, they wish they hadn't have done what they did, but you know all they can do is beg forgiveness, and he extends forgiveness to them, and that, that's a beautiful thing. Now, when the brothers repent, Joseph gives his perspective. On things and uh, you know we're going to see Joseph's perspective in a minute that he continues to reiterate to them when we look back at, at our lives we're going to find people who've mistreated us who've have done us wrong who've misunderstood us and we have a choice to make we can either have our own thoughts about the situation or we can have a God perspective and I really, want, I really want you to get this here. Joseph had a God perspective about what happened to him in his life. And when we look back at the offenses and mistreatment of things that we've suffered at the hands of others, we need a God perspective. And if we don't have a God perspective, if we don't allow God to straighten out our thought press on it, what's gonna happen is we're gonna get offended, we're gonna get a root of bitterness in us, and the things of the past are gonna destroy our present and our future. You see, if we won't think about things the way God wants us to think about them, if we're going to hold grudges like they were afraid he did, we're going to get a root of bitterness in our heart. And let me tell you something about bitterness. It eats you from the inside out. (laughs) Unforgiveness has been proven medically to create all kinds of diseases and afflictions in our bodies. Why? Because we actually, when we harbor unforgiveness and hatred towards other people, it actually consumes us from the inside out. So Joseph has a God perspective here. His brothers figure he must have a grudge. Um, Verses 19 through 21 give us a summary of his God perspective here. But Joseph said to them, listen, do not be afraid for I am in God's place. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph projects his heart again. He opens himself up. He weeps, and and the summary of his feeling is, this is his God perspective. This was God who brought me here. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. God did this to preserve life. This is He's not going to say this, but guys, this is the book of Genesis. This is the beginning of a nation here. Do you understand what's going on? None of them really understood the big picture. But Joseph had a God perspective. You know, many times in life when we look back, if we're bitter, if we're angry, if we're confused, we need to spend time alone with the Lord and pray that he gives us a God perspective. Because you know what? We can waste so many days with grudges and bitterness and lament. All of us us deal with this stuff. If you live more than 15 minutes, you are battered, scarred, bruised. Amen? Amen. Uh, I think uh, my wife and I talk about all of the things we've been through. and I mean, we'll be married 27 years this October. And just what we've been through in our lives and in ministry, all the battle scars and the wounds. You know, people looking, oh, it must be so good. You just read the Bible all day, and it's wonderful. I mean it's just I'm not complaining but Pastor Frank you could you there's a target people eat you with their words and their judgments and the devil I mean he's just you know so all of us got battle scars and wounds and I encourage you if you if you're not landing right on, on these things, if they're eating you up, if you're rehearsing things over and over in your mind, if you're, if you're upset about the past and it brings depression into you, and when you think about it, you just get along with him. Get a God perspective on the issue and be like Joseph. Man, Joseph had no bitterness in him at all. What a beautiful way to keep his heart! That's why God was able to bless him and promote him. Uh, it's just a beautiful picture of what happens when we follow God's way and we accept God's way and we just uh, don't hold grudges against people. So all of this interaction is beautiful, there's reconciliation, there's forgiveness, there's restoration, there's tears. The brothers finally figure out that Joseph's not gonna annihilate us, he really does love us, he's not mad at us and he's gonna take care of us and he does, he keeps his vow again. Joseph has good character. Verse 22, Joseph lives out his life in Egypt with his brothers. He keeps his word. He cares for them. He lives 110 years, not as old as his dad, but you know, his dad was so old that he scared Pharaoh. So maybe 110 was a good place to throw in the towel, but not a bad run for him. 110 years. Uh, Joseph saw his son's Uh, sons being born his grandchildren were born at his knees you know the children of his loins ephraim and manasseh and makir they all had children he saw the third generation of ephraim's children now living to see your descendants living to see your grandchildren and great-grandchildren is a blessing It's a blessing. A long life is a privilege that not everyone enjoys. You know, I used to think about old age as something, you know, when you're young, you think, I'll never be old. And then you start getting old. And then you think, well, what do I think about this oldness? (laughs) And you begin to wrap your mind around it a little bit and realize that, you know what, a a lot of people don't get to enjoy old age. They don't get to see their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. And you know, it's a, it is a great honor and a great blessing to be able to enjoy those things. I mean, how, your daddy, 100 years old, Charles, right? All the things he's seen in his lifetime, and he's praying that Charles will get saved one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, man. But I mean, just think about what a privilege that is. And not everybody gets that privilege. So Joseph is near his death, and he... He takes the time to reassure his brothers. Now, think about this. He's been taking care of his brothers in Goshen, and he's been providing for them, and Pharaoh's been allowing it. But now his brothers are probably horrified again. Oh, no, if he dies, what's going to happen to us? What about if Pharaoh has a grudge? Yeah, these guys, you know. So... He reaffirms them. He's, he's like, God is going to take care of you too. So listen to this. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So he's passing the baton here. Many times in life, you know, God is good to us and he uses people to bless us and strengthen us and protect us. And that was surely the case for Joseph's brothers here. And, uh, you know, and we become spiritual emotionally, and, and sometimes physically attached to people. But we can never forget that it's God who provides for us. It's God who takes care of us. It's God who sustains us. Amen? It's not people. God uses people. But you know, what happens when the people go away? God. Amen. So he's telling them God's going to take care of you and, and I'm going to be gone, but don't worry about it. He's going to keep his promise and you're going to go to the promised land. Never become so dependent on people that you forget God is your source. Never become so dependent on your job that you forget God is your source. Never become so dependent on your intellect, on your ability, on your savvy, on your skill that you forget that God is your source. People come and go but God is always with you. Amen. Verse 25, then Joseph makes the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph was not an Egyptian in his heart either, just like Jacob was not an Egyptian in his heart either. Didn't want to be buried there. You know what? Honestly, for me, I don't care what you do with my bones. As long as I get to be with Jesus, you can do whatever you want with them. But these guys did not want to be buried in Egypt. He makes them swear. Verse 26, Joseph dies at the age of 110 years, and he's embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. And uh, this is the conclusion. His life concludes the book of Genesis. Genesis. Uh, He's not an Egyptian in his heart. His bones are interred in Egypt, but he's made them swear to take him from there. And you're going to see when the Jews come out of Egypt, they're going to take Joseph's bones with them. Okay? So uh, the vows get kept, and God uh, plants the people, his people, where he wants them to be. uh, Put the book ends here, and let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you tonight for completion, for finishing the course, and for. All of those who have been enjoying this study from chapter 1 to chapter 50, Lord, bless them. Thank you for, for their faithfulness and, Father, for your faithfulness to make all of this come alive to us and the principles, Lord, that we've heard so many things. Father, each one of those things that you expounded to us by the Holy Spirit, tuck them deep in our hearts. Let them change the way we think and live and, and the way we the way we view your hand in our lives. Lord, you've always been faithful to your people. You've never dropped the ball once. Even when things look crazy and dark, and even when we seem to be surrounded by the world, you're always with us and for us. God, way back in the beginning, you, you created life, and you're the author of all life. We think about the creation story and All the implications there, Father, for a generation that leans towards atheism and and towards evolution, Father, help us to have an understanding of what you have done in the role of creator, and help us to be able to communicate that to a generation that refuses to believe. You're the author and finisher. We thank you for the book of beginnings, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Give him praise tonight.